Good morning, Capital City. So glad you are here and those who are joining us online, that is so cool. We're really excited about this new program that we're going to be kicking off here this next week here at Capital City, Celebrate Recovery. It's about making your life better. It's about making you better at life. It's not just for those with an addiction of any sort. It's for any kind of a behavior or a sin that is making life tough on you, for the people around you, or between you and God, stealing your joy. Now, the first steps when you're tackling a big deal like this, it's so hard. You want to start winning some battles, you just got to admit, check it out, see if it might be some help. Check it out this Thursday evening, uh, 6.30, room 300 upstairs, just an informational meeting. I think it's going to be a really big deal. Now, before I get started, Sam Bowden sent this to me, so I thought I'd share it with you. Man, his wife, and his mother-in-law went to Israel on vacation. While they were there, his mother-in-law died. Undertaker said, you can have her shipped home for five grand, or we'll bury her right here in the Holy Land for only $150. Guy thought about it. He says, I think I'm going to have her shipped home. Undertaker's confused. Why? Why would you spend five grand to ship her home when you could do a great thing burying her right here in the Holy, Hand, Holy Land for only $150? Guy said, well, 2,000 years ago a man died here, buried here, three days later rose from the dead, and I can't take that chance. <laughs> All right, we probably need to pray our heads. What a privilege it is to be called into your presence, God, and I pray that we will sense your presence here. And now we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will honor you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Star Trek, Wrath of Khan, Drake Flick. Of course, I've been a Trekkie since the 60s. But the Enterprise is damaged, the warp drive is inoperable, the Genesis device is about to blow, and they have to get out of there, but the warp drive has to be repaired. The engine room has been flooded with radiation. Spock knows it's going to kill him, but he decides to go in anyway to repair the warp drive and save the ship. You guys know the line? Because the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few for the one gives up his life to save the ship. Great scene. What if? What if Spock couldn't fix the drive? And what if his failure doomed Kirk and McCoy and Scotty and O'Hara and all of the rest? What if the movie ends tragically? Drive maybe is unfixable. Spock simply exchanges a quick and painless death for a very slow and painful one. Still a hero? Mm, probably. We love stories of self-sacrifice as long as the self-sacrifice works. Clint Eastwood, great movie, Grand Torino, plays Walt Kowalski, angry old Korean War vet, neighbors who are refugees from Laos, kids, Tao and Su, gradually work their way into his curmudgeonly heart. Kids are being targeted by a street gang. So there's this famous scene, Walt Kowalski goes outside of the gang headquarters, gets all of their attention, gets the attention of all of the neighbors, and then he reaches inside of his coat as if he's reaching for a gun. He's not. He wanted them to think so. They all pull out their guns and they gun them down in cold blood in front of all of these witnesses. Police come, gang members are arrested, Tawin Sue are saved. He gives his life to save the kids he loves. 
What if? What if the neighbors were still scared and refused to testify? And what if they wreaked their vengeance on Tao and Sue? We love stories of self-sacrifice as long as the self-sacrifice works. How awful the story would have been if he had died for nothing, right? Captain John Miller takes seven good men to find Private Ryan to pull him out of the war because three of his brothers have already been killed. Captain Miller dies along with all but one of his guys, rescuing Private Ryan. Famous scene, as he dies, he pulls Ryan in and says, earn this. Awful words, awful words. What a great movie. But how would it have played if at the end, after all of his rescuers die, Private Ryan stands up and takes a bullet? And all those deaths are for nothing. See, we love stories of self-sacrifice, if it works. Bruce Willis in Armageddon, giving his life to blow up an asteroid that's hurtling towards the earth. Costs him his life, but he saves the day. Superman, in a battle with doomsday, sacrifices his life to kill the destroyer. Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman sacrifices his life to blow up a plane full of the poisonous gas created by Dr. Maru. (laughs) We love those kind of stories. They're all over. Self-sacrifice. We love it when it works. And sometimes we even kind of enjoy the story of a noble fool. How many of you guys know the story of Don Quixote, the man of La Mancha? I don't know if you realize that it's the second most translated book in the world after the Bible, considered one of the greatest stories ever written. This old guy in the story reads too many romance novels. It's kind of like he overdoses on Hallmark movies. Till he imagines himself a knight in shining armor. He's not. And he goes out and tries to rescue all of these damsels in distress. Usually he gets beaten up for his chivalry. A noble fool dreaming an impossible dream. Like Jesus? Walter Mitty. Famous story by James Thurber about a hen-pecked husband who keeps imagining himself a hero. Gets lost in his daydreams. He's a daring pilot in the war. He's a world-famous surgeon saving the day. He's a devil-may-care assassin. He imagines himself facing a firing squad, fearless and inscrutable to the end. A man whose reality is so ordinary, whose reality is so painful that he creates these heroic fantasies and he lives in them. Like Jesus... Who was Jesus? A Spock who saves the day? A Walt Kowalski who sacrifices his life to save kids that he loves? A Captain Miller whose self-sacrifice gives another man meaning and purpose? Or was Jesus more like a Don Quixote? Or a Walter Mitty? Delusional? Maybe noble? Fool? I don't think he was a trickster. I don't think he was a liar. He sacrifices way too much for that to be plausible. But he'd have to fit in one of those other two boxes, wouldn't he? I mean, he's either a messiah or a fool. I know people try to place him in another box. They try to find another box for him, but they don't work. Literally, most people who are not Jesus followers try to still treat Jesus with respect. They do. He's a great man, just wasn't God. One of the greatest religious teachers ever just wasn't God. He was an extraordinary combination of humility and courage. 
simplicity and amazing depth. It just wasn't God. All right? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. That kind of an assessment of Jesus doesn't hold. He was either the self-sacrifice of self-sacrifices, or he was a perhaps noble, certainly delusional fool. They're the only two boxes that work. A noble fool deserves to be pitied, not followed. Now, some of you guys were here last week. We posed a hypothetical. What if? What if Jesus had told the Father, I won't? I won't. He could have. He could have told the Father, I won't, before God ever made us. He knew what was going to happen if the Father gave us free will. He knew what kind of a mess we would make. He knew, he knew that we wouldn't be capable of fixing that mess. He knew what, what it would cost him to fix that mess. He knew that he'd be the designated Savior. What if he'd say, no, won't. You'd be host. Right up to the end, Jesus could have told his father, I won't. And we're told that he was tempted to. And if Jesus was really the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, and if Jesus has told his Father, I won't, we'd be host. Fortunately, he didn't. Now, this week, I want to pose another hypothetical. What if Jesus was wrong? What if he actually thought he was the Son of God, but he wasn't? What if he actually thought he was God's Messiah, our Savior, and he wasn't? What if Jesus actually expected God to raise him from the dead and God didn't? That would make him kind of the fool of fools, wouldn't it? Most pitiable man. And then Jesus says this. He says, if any of you guys, if any of you guys want to be my follower, you have to give up your own way and you have to deny yourself, and you have to take up your own cross every single day, and you have to follow me. Follow me, he says, because that's what I did. I denied myself, took up my cross, literally, and if you want to be my follower, he says, you too. If he was the Son of God, guys, just do it. Just do it. If he wasn't the Son of God, you'd be an idiot to do it to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him every day, right? You see, Jesus was either the Son of God, the Messiah of God, our Savior and our Lord, or he really was the most egocentric, arrogant, narcissistic, delusional fool ever. I'm not exaggerating. I know some people want to try to call him an imposter, a liar, deceiver. I don't think it works. Jesus was all in. He gave his life for what he believed. And my goodness, listen to what he believed about himself. Listen to what Jesus said about himself. Jesus looks at you guys and he says, I am the gate. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. He says, if you want to get into heaven, it's not that I'm standing at the door. He says, I am the door. You enter God's kingdom through me. And he believed it. Do you? Jesus said, I am resurrection. I am life. If you believe in me, even if you die like everybody else, you're going to live again. You're going to be given everlasting life, and you'll never perish. Holy cow. 
He was either the son of God and God's Messiah, and he could actually pull that off, or he was the most egocentric, arrogant, narcissistic, delusional fool ever, right? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. No one, no one can get to the Father without coming through me. And he believed it. He actually believed he was God. Those are not the words of a great teacher only. They're not the words of a great man only. They're the words of the Son of God or the words of a delusional fool. And then listen to what he demands of you, of me. Listen to what he asks of us. He says, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own father and mother, doesn't hate his own wife and kids, his own brothers and sisters by comparison, if he doesn't even hate his own life by comparison, you can't be my disciple. He made himself bigger than your mom and your dad, your kids. He made himself bigger than your own life. Wow. Then he says, any of you does not give up everything that he has. Everything cannot be my disciple. The message puts it like this. Simply put, if you are not willing to take what's dearest to you, whether it's plans, people, kiss it goodbye, you can't follow me. It's hard. If anybody other than God tells you something like that, you better blow them off, right? And then he makes these promises, the kind of promises, my goodness. He made the kind of promises that if one of our politicians made them, <laughs> our politicians sound flat out humble by comparison. Jesus said, everyone who's given up anything for me, houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, property for my sake, you're going to receive a hundred times as much and you're going to get eternal life as well. Wow. Whatever it costs to follow me, he says, it is no real sacrifice because whatever you sacrifice for me is nothing compared to what God is going to give you back someday. Really? Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before men, whoever confesses me before men, I'm going to confess him before my Father. But if you disown me before men, I'm going to disown you before my Father in heaven. As if he really believed this, his opinion of us is going to matter most when we stand before God, which we will. So he's either the Son of God or he's delusional. And then he says this, he says, someday, guys, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to come back in unimaginable glory. I'm going to be flanked by the angels of God, and on that day, every single man, woman, and child is going to be gathered in front of me, and I'm going to separate you as a, they might separate sheep from goats. And what I do with each one of you on that day will determine your eternity. Those are not the words of a great man, Only. Those are not the words of a great teacher only. He's either the son of God or he's the most egocentric, narcissistic, arrogant, delusional fool ever. Because he believed it. Jesus actually believed that stuff. He kept saying that kind of stuff repeatedly. And the way he lived his life, <laughs> well, he didn't live the life of a con man. He actually thought that stuff was true. So do we. We believe that Jesus is way more than just a great man. We believe that Jesus is way more than just a great teacher. We believe that he really was the Son of God, is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, our Savior, and our Lord. So we're going to push pause here for a few minutes. We're going to take a stand. We're going to, 
we're going to confess in this room, wherever you are online, we're going to confess Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. That's what we do every single week when we participate in that little strange ritual. If you didn't pick up one of those communion packets when you walked into the room, we've got them scattered around the room. Just slide out right now if you want. Just go grab one of those little communion packets. Right before Jesus was crucified, he shared a very strange meal with his disciples. He took bread and he said, this isn't just bread anymore. He said, this is my body and it's been broken for you. So when you eat this, he says, remember me. So we do. You see, Jesus knew he was going to die and he actually expected his death to cover our sins. Then he took a cup and he said, this cup isn't just juice anymore. This cup is my blood. In fact, it's a brand new covenant between God and and you. So every time you drink this cup, he says, you remember me. So we do. So if you're a Jesus follower, we're going to pray together. Then we're going to share this Lord's Supper together. Would you pray with me? Father, for Jesus, we give you thanks the extraordinary sacrifice he made for us, we give you thanks. For this chance to honor you, we give you thanks. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.
So how are you guys doing with God? How are you doing with Jesus? How's your relationship going? Because Jesus said this, he says, if any of you guys, if any of you wants to be my follower, thank you. You have to deny yourself. That's a must. You have to take up your own cross every day. That's a must too. You got to follow me. See, Jesus actually believed that if we follow him, we're going to live a way better life in this world. And he was going to make sure that we get heaven too. And he believed it fiercely enough that he literally denied himself and took up his own cross because he believed that's what God wanted. So was he delusional. Listen, guys. Jesus didn't play Jesus so we could have a, a summer home abort and a boat and a Porsche. Jesus didn't play Jesus so we could have a social media following in the millions or billions. He didn't play Jesus for the money, the prestige, the power, for the adoration of his minions. He literally denied himself a lot. No church, no office, no classroom, no salary, no powerful benefactors. Essentially, he was homeless, he was powerless, he was poor. He frequently hung out with those that the pious and the powerful despised, making him extraordinarily powerful enemies. Made people uncomfortable, pushed the edges of their law, physically touched those who were considered physically untouchable. Partied with sinners, they called him a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And he didn't seem to care what people thought, even though he was making people mad enough to kill him. He thought he was on a mission from God. In fact, he actually believed he was the son of God. And he literally took up a cross. In fact, Jesus actually thought that's why he was sent to the earth. He was sent to the earth to die on a cross, he believed. And he was okay with that, which would make him either the son of God or the craziest fool ever. In fact, just a few days before that first Easter, he headed straight into Jerusalem to pick a fight, fully intending to force them to arrest him, to try him, to beat him, to kill him on a cross, which was the most shameful, humiliating, painful death imaginable in that world. You can't read any of the Jesus stories without drawing that conclusion, which would make him son of God, the craziest fool ever, right? There's a verse over in the book of Hebrews that pretty much describes what was going through Jesus' mind, whether he was sane or not. Most Bibles translate it like this. Because of, because of the joy awaiting him, because of the joy awaiting Jesus on the other side, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Good verse. Sometimes if you look at the margins, you'll find an alternative translation. It says something like this. Instead of, Instead of the joy awaiting him that he could have had, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, which is very different. And you get that kind of a variant reading because the New Testament wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. And like English, most Greek words have more than one meaning. If you go to a dictionary, you look up a word, it usually has two, three, four, five meanings, right? And if you look up this little word, anti, which is there in the Greek, this little preposition, first definition you'd come to would be instead of, in place of. Instead of the joy awaiting him. 
couple of definitions down, you'd find because of, for the sake of, because of the joy awaiting him. It can mean either one. They both work. It might mean that Jesus tolerated the shame. He endured the cross because he knew it was the only way to get to the joy on the other side. I've got to go through this misery to get back to my father. I've got to go through this misery so I can rescue my kids, and there's nothing greater than that. <laughs> Jesus thought you're worth a humiliating, shameful, excruciatingly painful death. I thought so. Or it could be instead of, instead of chasing my own joy, instead of chasing my own happiness, I'm going to give it up for you. I'll give it all up for you, he thought, which he did. In either case, he endured the cross, he disregarded the shame, because he did not expect to stay dead. <laughs> he didn't expect to stay dead. Which means he's either the son of God or he was crazy. There's a story not too long ago about a bunch of Jesus followers out in California who thought they could bring a little girl back from the dead. National news. Little girl died at the age of two. The church started praying for a miracle. They started praying for that miracle for days. Called on Jesus followers around the world to pray for a miracle. In fact, her mother posted this on Instagram. We're asking for prayer. We believe in a Jesus who died and conclusively defeated every grave, holding the keys to resurrection power. We need that power for our little girl who stopped breathing yesterday and was pronounced dead by the doctors. We are asking for bold prayers, unified prayers from the global church to stand with us in the belief that he will raise this little girl back to life. Her time here is not done, and it's our time to believe boldly with confidence, wield what keeps Jesus paid for. It's time for her to come back to life, her mom said. We read a story like that and some of us get a little embarrassed. As the kid stayed dead, you really expected God to raise her from the dead two or three days later? You really expected that? You kept praying for days? Well, how about a guy who pretty much choreographed his own death because he expected God to raise him from the dead three days later? He really is the son of God or he's just flat out crazy. Here it is, guys. I mean, a whole lot of people try to play games with Jesus. You choose not to be a Jesus follower, but you still want to treat Jesus with respect. He's a great man. just wasn't God. Well, poppycock. One of the greatest religious teachers ever. He just wasn't God, right? It's pure nonsense. He's an extraordinary combination of humility and courage, simplicity and depth. Just wasn't God, right? No. It doesn't cut it. It's absurd. And I know some people think Jesus was just a con man, maybe the greatest con man ever. Well, that doesn't work either. Con men don't deny themselves and take up a cross for their con. Jesus was either the Son of God or the most pitiful fool who ever walked this earth. C.S. Lewis put it like this. He's one of my heroes. He said, a man who was merely a man and said the kind of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic, kind of like a man who thought he was a poached egg, or he'd be the devil of hell. You've got to make a call. 
Either Jesus was and is the Son of God, or he's a madman or something worse. So you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit on him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him your Lord and your God, but don't come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He hasn't left that option open to us. He didn't mean to. It boils down to this, guys. If Jesus stayed dead, he was a fool. If the crucified corpse of Jesus rotted in that tomb, he was a fool. Man who thought himself to be God. A guy who actually believed he was the Messiah, the Savior. A guy who went around making all these godlike claims and promises. A delusional man because he denied himself virtually everything. He actually took up his own cross because he thought he was on a mission from God. If he's still dead, you've wasted a really nice Sunday morning being here. If God did raise Jesus from the dead, as the eyewitnesses said he did, and they'd go to their death saying he had, they weren't con men either. If God actually did raise Jesus from the dead, as the best historical evidences all point to, it's solid. I and mean, I wish I had time to lay out those evidences, but they're powerful. You just need to look at some of the amazing things Jesus actually did. If God actually did raise Jesus from the dead, as the Holy Spirit is affirming in your heart right now, and he wasn't a fool. And you're no fool to follow him. In fact, you'd be a fool not to. You see, he really is the resurrection and the life. He really is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one's going to get to the Father without going through him. And the truth is, there is absolutely nothing more important than following him. Nothing, guys. We put all kinds of stuff in our lives in front of Jesus. That's what's crazy. And it's going to be worth it to deny ourselves and to take up our own crosses and to follow him every single day. It's going to be worth it no matter what costs us. It's going to be worth it for now and it's going to be worth it for forever. Some of you guys haven't yet bent your knees to Jesus. Maybe you've tried pulling that where you tried to call him a great man, a great teacher, some nonsense like that, but you've never acknowledged that he's the Son of God, your Savior and your Lord. Well, guys, it's time. It's Easter. We had a baptism in the first service. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a great thing to do on Easter, a day of new life? The day we remember the new life that God offered to us all when he raised his own son from the dead. Listen to him. Listen to him. Some of you guys have called Jesus your Lord, but you've not really been willing to deny yourself or take up your own cross yourself daily and follow him. Come on, guys. This is bigger than that. This is bigger than anything else in your life. It's time to quit playing games with God. Quit pushing Jesus to the margin and give him the respect that God deserves. For some of us, it's time simply to reaffirm who we are and what we stand for. Okay, whatever camp you're in, it's time to reaffirm or to affirm Jesus as Savior. And Lord, when you came in, I don't know whether you sat on one of these or it's close to you, given one of these, something like that. It's a little card. It actually is two cards that are kind of perforated. You can actually bend it in half, if I get it right, like that. You can tear them apart. And one part's for you, and one part is for you to sign and leave here at the church. Really encourage you to do that. Sign them both. Pencils around you, pull out a pen, do something like that. Sign one of these cards. 
God. What it says is, Jesus said to them all, he says to us, if anyone wants to become my follower, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me, so I will. And sign your name. Leave one at the cross. Take one with you as a reminder. You can lay them on the worship stations that are around the room. If you go out into the foyer, there's a big cross there, and it's got a little box around the bottom of it. You can lay it in that box. It's your commitment to him. This is your reminder to yourself. During this next song or at the end of this service, if you're making, making this decision for the first time, we need to talk. It's the most important decision you're ever going to make. Let's do it right. I'm going to hang here at the end of the service. I'd love to talk to you. One of our elders is praying for you right now back in that prayer room. Talk to him. Let's talk. Let's change this. Let's turn this thing around. Let's stand as we sing together.